Hello, is anybody here? You don't have to be afraid. I'm just here to talk with you. I am a seasoned paranormal investigator with a growing resume. I began investigating the paranormal when I was 16 years old, where I learned the tricks of the trade from a dear friend of mine. Since then, I've been a paranormal tour guide at the Ohio State Reformatory, have been on paranormal teams where I have investigated private homes, and have given presentations on real-life ghost busting. Now, I'm on a quest to explore all realms of the paranormal through expert interviews. I'm Sydney Miller, and this is Not Afraid. Tonight, I sit down with lifelong investigator and author Keith Evans. Keith holds a bachelor's degree in chemistry from the University of Central Florida. He is a retired forensic scientist who has been communicating with the paranormal his entire life. His hopes are to bring the guardian angel ghost to the forefront and to teach everyone about the importance of preserving Victorian homes. Do you know anything about the way I do paranormal research or, or nope. my style? Nope. So I well, want to talk about it. Well, just, just to let you know before you start asking questions, I mainly do like places where families had lived there 20 or 30 years. Uh, it's very hard to get permission because uh, a lot of people don't believe in ghosts, so they won't give you permission. But when I do get permission, I try to do places that the people who used to live there before they passed away love the place. And then I go in with a lot of respect and I get that back. Sometimes it takes a little while for them to get to know me, just like, you know, ghost for people too. Sure. But I don't really go to any place negative. I, I try to stay away from prisons, even hospitals. Uh, you'll get your share of uh, just residual energy that's off the wall can you imagine if if you find out you had cancer and gonna die and your loved ones find out all that energy is just absorbed at a hospital and people think it's evil or demonic but it's just negative energy that's been absorbed within the environment absolutely well that's good to know that's interesting that's just so you just try to focus on the positives then yeah, I enjoy that. It's just like the way I live my life. I try to live my life with good people and honest people and people that aren't out to get or harm anyone. And I like to surround myself with that when I do paranormal research, too. And I try to allow the ghosts of spirits to, you know, say whatever they want to say. You know, ask me a question. You know, I try to be, it's not just a one-way street with me, like I'm there to solve a problem. Uh, I've rarely had clients and when I do, most of the time, they're just so frightened up here, so frightened and afraid of anything that's paranormal that, you know, it, it tarnishes even if they do have a guardian angel trying to communicate, which is sad. And sometimes they get upset with me for not saying that it's something evil or demonic. They have their minds so made up. Yeah. So that's like questions questions you can steer away from like how many clients have you had in the last couple of years uh, not too many but some okay yeah well that's and good. most of the clients i have are very they don't want anyone to know they don't so i can't say oh yeah my client uh, was this historical house here 
they just want to say, look, you can come in and do paranormal research, but don't let anyone know where you're at. Gotcha. The community is very down on that. Uh, I'm sure they don't care too much for me, but you can imagine if, if someone in the community does allow me to do paranormal research and I run around telling everyone and put it on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, then everyone's going to be down on them. And I don't need that because uh, the people that will allow me to do paranormal research are few and far between. But the book, The Hayes House Ghost for People 2, uh, the owner who owned it at the time did give me written permission. So I can use that and talk about that. Uh, now the Hayes House has a new owner and a new name. So, but I can still talk about what happened, you know, okay. when I had permission and the paranormal that I did there. Okay, that sounds great. So if you don't have any questions, we will get rolling. No, I'm good. All right, Keith. So again, welcome to the show. I appreciate you agreeing to sit down with me here tonight. And the first thing I want to know about you is when you were first introduced to the paranormal. Well, I would say first introduced when I was a kid and I didn't even know it was paranormal. Um, my mother liked to sleep late and I usually woke up early. And uh, as you can see, I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> And uh, I would wake up and I'd just lay in bed and be bored to death and, and want to eat breakfast. And uh, my mother didn't get along with my great aunts. And one of my great aunts came in and said, Keith, do you want to go up and see where the uh, you know railroad wreck took place? And I told her, yeah, I do. Because, uh, you know, my um, relatives had been talking about it, but they wouldn't they wouldn't. They were talking about it, but when I took interest, then they got quiet. So I thought the uh, actual railroad accident had happened right then and there, right now, when, when I was little, when my aunt came into the room. So I wanted to go see the remnants of this, and we walked up the railroad track. I guess it was about a quarter of a mile, but it didn't seem long to me, and I was four years old. And when we got there, you could just see where the railroad cars were laying on their side and they were strewed around an area that used to be a cannon factory. And cannon factories were kind of like open air sheds with the machinery there to, uh, you know, husk corn and do other types of uh, uh, processing of vegetables to put in cans. So, and you know, it wasn't like, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think anyone was killed during the uh, derailment of the uh, cars. So we walked back and I was really happy. I got back in time. My mother was not up because she probably would have been upset with me because at the time she wasn't speaking to my great aunts. And um, that was it. And uh, I didn't really talk about it again until uh, my grandfather passed away when I was... 13. So before, sometime maybe a year before he passed away, within that period of time, I had uh, asked him about that train wreck. And I told him that <clears throat> one of the, <clears throat> I told him the strange thing about that train wreck is, you know, I told him what had happened. The aunt came in before my uh, mother had woke up and took me up. We walked up to see it. And uh, he just got a strange look on his face. He said, what did this lady look like? And I said, well, it's kind of strange. At that point in time, um, 
I had seen my aunt, both great aunts. I, I weren't, I was not close to them because my mother was still upset with them right. and didn't want us to communicate with them. So at that time, I had still seen them from a distance and I knew what they looked like. And I told them the strangest thing about this lady. She, she didn't look like my aunt Virgie or my aunt Ada, but she was a cross between the two. And my grandfather said, well, that would be my mother. And of course, his mother, which would be my <clears throat> great, well, would be my great grandmother. She passed away when my grandfather was, uh, I think, eight years old. Oh, he wow. was right young. So I didn't realize it until I was 13 that what happened when I was four was actually some type of paranormal situation involving uh, my uh, great-grandmother. I think her name was Sarah. Um, first name was Sarah. And um, I didn't even realize it. And then my grandfather died shortly after that in an auto accident. And I didn't get to follow up and ask him any more about it. My family um, was very, you don't talk about paranormal, you know. They were very upset. People are going to think you're crazy. Right. So I just kept my mouth shut. I learned at a very young age because I'm, I'm also an empath. Okay. And as a, as a young child, of course, I didn't know empathic abilities were anything related to paranormal either. I just knew that I, I was getting happy feelings about decorative wood, uh, in fact, in one of my relatives' uh, homes. The oldest home that the first relative that moved to that area had built. And uh, as a three or four year old, if you're looking at wood and saying, isn't that wood beautiful? People kind of think, eh, you know. <laughs> right. And even other kids said uh, to me that kids their age don't talk that way. And I thought, well, that's true. I haven't heard any other young person say anything nice about the wood. But I was feeling that happiness that that wood had brought prior relatives I guess they thought it was beautiful too and they were proud of it and when people came into their kitchen you know that's probably the first thing they saw was this you know beautiful shiny glossy wainscoting and I just thought that was the greatest thing when I was a kid and I still love wood and grain if I see something that's wood and grain I'll just tell the person your house is beautiful yeah so that's how I first got into the paranormal. So it wasn't, uh, most people get into the paranormal because uh, they have some religious uh, earning or feelings to help people with evilness. And I got into paranormal uh, without even knowing it yeah. and learned later on that, um, you know, I didn't even, I don't think I knew what an empath was until I was uh, probably a teenager, maybe even older. And I said, Oh, that's what I am. <laughs> and of course, no one else in my family was. So they were, it just blew their mind and upset them. And they thought they had a, uh, a problem child on their hands that, uh, you know, they never got over it. Some of them, no that's matter what accomplishments I had in my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's very interesting. So I like asking that question to the different paranormal investigators that I meet because everybody's got a different story, which makes it so cool. You know, some people had that, you know, light bulb moment of they had this really crazy experience like you did as a child. And then other people, you know, 
they just got into it later in life because they thought it was interesting or, you know, they felt as they're calling a whole bunch of different stories, but I've never heard one like that. So that's a very interesting story that you have. Well, that's the first, the first time I've been able to link the two together. Usually I, I'll talk about one or the other, but not both. But yeah. today I was able to link the two together, but, uh, you know, they, they were pretty much happening simultaneously when I was like three or four. And uh, with me, there was never no fear. There was never, uh, you know, like I was frightened or scared. It was just like a, a normal thing. And uh, being an empath always bought me, brought me happiness. Uh, you know, everyone thought, well, he likes antiques. When I went into antique stores, I felt happy. I felt, all, you know, even today, if I go to an antique store, I'll come out just smile on my face. I don't need to buy anything. I don't need to own antiques, and I don't own too many. Uh, if anything, coin collecting, and I used to be a bottle collector. So if I did go into these stores, that would be the things I would look for. But just walking around, the antiques always brought me joy because I could feel uh, the intense emotion that and satisfaction that these items brought people uh, when they purchased them. They were so proud to have it you know, whatever that antique may have been. And I could feel that. Huh, that's very interesting. So according to your book, The Hayes House, Ghosts Are People Too, your hope is to bring the guardian angel to the forefront. So explain to me what you mean by that. I've obviously I'm familiar with the term guardian angel and, you know, what other people think about what that means. But I'm curious as to what you think about that and how that works. Well, it's not the religious form of guardian angel. Okay. When I talk about the guardian angel, I have my own definition. That's the person that looks out for you when you're in a life-threatening situation. And uh, I think a lot of ghosts and spirits are just kind of like, I hate to use the term watcher, but they're just waiting to see if something goes wrong so they can intervene. And uh, I think they have in my life in different situations. And I think too many people are so into everything has to be Halloween scary or no paranormal at all. And as they get older, they buy into, oh, there's evil and demonic. Well, there's evil and good living people. Why not there be, you know, evil and good dead people? Yeah. But the majority of the ghosts of spirits that I've run across, if not all, have been pretty much either neutral or friendly. You know, good. Yeah. I haven't I haven't ran across anything evil. I've been to locations where people have said evil things have happened. And, you know, I guess if there is an evil ghost of spirit out there who's demonic, maybe they just don't choose me to show themselves to. Maybe they pick and choose who they want to show themselves to. If I'm not afraid, maybe why bother? Why not choose like the bully in school? I don't know if you had bullies in, when you were in school or not. We didn't have too many in high school. But we had a lot of them in middle school. Yeah. If you were willing to stand up and fight them, they'd leave you alone. Absolutely. If you, if you took your parents' advice and all your older friends' advice, they just, well, let them hit you and don't hit them back. They're, oh, they're going to line up to clobber you. And I think that's the way with uh, 
any evil or demonic force. If you're terribly afraid of the paranormal, you're probably going to be the next one to get visited. If you're the type of person who's not afraid and you're out there communicating, especially me, who I have always communicated alone. I think a couple of times at the Hayes house, I had a cat with me. <laughs> but other than that, you know, the, the bully or the demon or evil person is going to look for someone who's an easy target. And sure. I guess they don't consider me to be easy. Well, and I think a lot of that, too, um, that's funny, that came up in a previous interview on this season. Uh, it has to do with your your personal mindset. And you said earlier that you're a very positive person. So positive energy attracts positive energy. It's the people that go looking for the negative stuff. I think that find the negative stuff because that's what they're looking for. And they're very pessimistic. And, you know, they just think there's evil everywhere. Well, they're the ones that are going to find it. Yes. So I've always had a love of history growing up, particularly in historic preservation, which appears to be something that you're very passionate about as well. Um, and yes. I actually work for a historical society here in Ohio, and we have cool. a 1859 Victorian house as part of our museum. Wow. It's not investigated because my community that I work in is pretty against um, being really public about paranormal investigations, kind of like the community you were describing earlier. Um, yes. What is it to you that makes a Victorian home so special? And do you think that there is some sort of spirits that seem to be inherently attached to them because of their age or does it just happen to have something to do with that particular family that lived there or is there no correlation at all what's your take well i think there's a correlation between anything that you loved in life you're going to love that after death and i think that anyone who wants to if once they go to heaven they can come back and visit the things that they loved whether it be a person a antique or an antique vehicle or even a vehicle that they own which is brand new right before they passed away so i think we come back to see the things that we cared about when we were alive and it used to be like for instance my grandparents they lived in one spot all their life they didn't travel around i was in the army and the army reserves and uh, federal government and I traveled around to work different locations. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I could not actually live in one location. But when my grandparents were growing up, it was very unusual for someone not to live in one location their entire life. So most of your um, houses between the time period, what I like to call Victorian, um, was between, say, 1860s up until the uh, 1920s in America. In Europe, they, if they're watching, they have a different timeline for the term Victorian. But in the USA, uh, the style of house was considered to be a Victorian-type uh, style. And those homes, when a person built them, they usually lived there until they couldn't afford them anymore or until they passed away. So... I think the building of the house was almost like building something that you were very proud of. And um, it showed people your taste and your interests in uh, construction. And I think if that house is still there, it's going to draw the people who used to live there back because that's what is familiar to them. I mean, I'm not dead yet. And if I go 
to the beach. I like to stay in a place that was built, you know, when I was young, when I was a teenager, when I first went to the beach. I would rather stay at a, you know, older condominium than stay at a brand new one because that older condominium was there when I was young and in my prime and didn't have any aches and pains. And, um, you know, it makes me feel young again to go back and say, hey, it's still here. Yeah. And I think ghosts of spirits have that same connection, uh, especially with Victorian homes. Now, ghosts of spirits in the future may not have that connection. I may not because, you know, I can't say that I lived 20 or 30 years in one location. I'm, if I live to be 100, that might happen. But so I think the connection with Victorian homes is number one, the people who built them, loved them, and tried to stay there their whole life. And back during that time period, if you built a house and you got married, uh, most of the time, husband and wife stayed married until one of them died. And they usually lived in one location. So there's going to be a very strong connection for that time period, just because the uh, love and affection that the husband and wife and maybe other family members had for that home. Regardless of whether they died in the house or not. Yeah, I don't think that matters. In fact, I think we put, as paranormal researchers, I think most paranormal researchers put too much emphasis on someone has to die here or there has to be a tragedy here. I think if if I died someplace, that would be probably the last place I would ever visit if I could get away from it. Now, if it was a place that I also loved because I lived there 30 years, then sure, I would go back and visit it once I'm dead. But I really feel that uh, you don't have to die there to want to go back and visit it. I don't think there has to be that connection. And I really feel that too many paranormal researchers think that ghosts of spirits are trapped and they have to free them. I don't think they are. Once we pass away, all we are is electromagnetic energy, and we can come and go as we please. I, I do believe that there is a heaven. I can't prove it, but I think that ghosts of spirits can travel from heaven to here to look after us and try to help us. And of course, they're limited. They're limited to our openness to accept their help. They're limited to our openness to even believe that they exist. I think that's one thing that they experience troubles with. Uh, in other cultures like uh, South America, Central America, uh, I think that culture is more open to caring about the dead and not worried about paranormal being scary. In the same way with uh, many of the, uh, um, I would say, Southeast Asia and uh, the areas like that in uh, uh, West and South Asia, they have a greater respect for the dead as far as their knowledge and their helpfulness and not relying on just being frightened of them because they passed away. And I, I think it would be nice if our culture changed that. And it's probably going to have to start with, uh, you know, paranormal researchers. And it might take 100 years from now, but who knows, there might be a podcast 100 years from now where they'll be talking about, you know, you and I having this conversation right now. And <laughs> believe it or not, they were talking about this 100 years ago. And now, you know, everyone believes in the guardian angel ghosts. And, you know, Halloween will be more about respecting instead of being scared. And Yeah. 
I think that would be nice. I, I think our culture kind of ingrains people to be afraid of the paranormal just by having uh, all the scary uh, carnival ride atmospheres of having scary haunted houses because uh, I've never really experienced anything like that while doing paranormal research. Now, I will say once one thing, uh, if you think you're in a room alone and all of a sudden somebody's standing there, yeah, you're, you're just like a car backfiring, which isn't paranormal. If something happens that you're not expecting, you're going to flinch. You're going to say, what? You know, yeah. you're going to think, you know, how, I thought I was in this room alone. And the same way when a ghost or spirit enters your house or your your through a window. If a ghost or spirit enters through the window, that small, tiny packet of electromagnetic energy that's so small a human eye can't see it, when that goes through that window, it sounds like someone took a plastic bag and just slapped it against the window. And you'll get up real quick and look at the window to see if it's not broken. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, anything that happens sudden is going to scare you. But at the same time, you know, you don't have to be frightened and run out of the room. You can stay there and communicate with the ghosts and spirits. And I think when you hear the knocking sound, it's almost like a louder knocking sound is a ghost or spirit coming through, say, brick or the wooden structure. And it's not them trying to upset you or frighten you or have you leave the house. They're not after you. That's just the physics behind electromagnetic energy that's traveling at a fast rate of speed. You know, they don't have to open up the door. They can just go through anything. They're that small, I think. In most cases, most, most of our known uh, elements, say like anything, the raw material, carbon, oxygen, it's so small, even if it's not air, even if it's a solid, there's a lot of empty space in between. Even atoms have a lot of empty space. And, you know, the, the small packet of energy can just maneuver through it. But I think we hear it as humans, dogs and cats hear it, as a knocking sound. And uh, the same way with scratching. Scratching is a ghost or spirit that is, say, leaning against a wall. If you can picture a small packet of energy, I think most ghosts of spirits are just like people. They're not going to stand in the middle of the room. They're going to be off to the side. They might even be by the arm of a chair or the back of the chair. And when their um, electromagnetic energy goes from the air to a solid, whether it be a wall or a chair, that gives you your scratching sound as they meander back and forth. That's my theory. Yeah. And... Uh, so when you hear a scratching sound, and scratching sounds are eerie, uh, you know, sure. but I, I've only heard the scratching sounds uh, at the Hayes house uh, that come to mind right now. And I, I, I heard them there after I wrote the book. I don't think I heard any scratching sounds while I was writing the book. But after I wrote the book, I lived at the Hayes house. Uh, after the place I was living was destroyed by Hurricane Michael. And uh, that was after the book was published. And uh, I was there for about three and a half months. And all the scratching sounds uh, took place on the east wall of the house. Hmm. 
the external wall. As far as trying to uh, figure out where the sound was coming from, I never really could. I, I think I did one short video in November or December of 2018. Uh, I had just purchased a new phone since my old phone got washed away during the storm surge. I think it was in my pocket, but it, it got so wet that it would never function again. So the new phone that I got was a uh, smartphone. That was my first smartphone. So I was able to get internet and utilize uh, Facebook and all from my telephone and not have to, you know, go to my laptop. So it made it a lot more convenient. But uh, I think I only have one video on the scratching sounds. And on my YouTube channel, uh, which is called Paranormal Short Sessions by Keith Evans, if anyone wants to listen to the scratching sounds, uh, I go to the wall and I even tap. Well, I would say it, it sounded more like rapid tapping and or scratching. When I was coming up the steps from the first floor to the second floor, it sounded like scratching sounds. But when I got closer and when I listened to the video, it sounded more like rapid, rapid tapping. And I even went over to the window and tapped to show that my tapping the window sounded different yeah. than the actual tapping or scratching sound. But that was the only time that I captured what I originally thought was scratching sounds. But when it's recorded, it sounds different. It sounds more like rapid tapping. So I still feel that's a ghost or spirit that is standing off to the side and their small packet of energy is just meandering back in between, say, the air of the room and the wall, whatever construction the wall is. And uh, kind of like an airplane makes a sonic boom, you know, when they right. go past the, um, you know, speed of, of sound. I think that the, the electromagnetic energy is such a dense little packet of energy. If it's not dense, it's not going to do it. If you take a flashlight and say, well, that's electromagnetic energy, I'm shining it against a wall. I'm shining it against the air. It's not going to have the same effect because it's not as dense as far as electromagnetic energy goes. Sure. sure. So I actually don't know a whole lot about Hayes House. Tell me just a little bit about what the history there and who do you think is there that might be uh, causing the paranormal activity in your experience? Well, um, that location had a fire in 1900, and it burnt down all of the uh, wooden frame buildings. Uh, it actually damaged some of the brick buildings, but they were able to build back with the skeleton of the brick buildings. So I don't know what structure was there before 1900, but I have a theory since it was in the middle of the heart of the town and business district of Apalachicola, Florida, that I'm pretty sure something was there. But the Buck family first built the Hayes House in 1908. And at that time, it was a vacant lot. And they lived there until Jeff Buck passed away. And I think it was about 1922. And after that, uh, the Jeff Bucks family gave it back to the bank 
and the bank rented it out, just rented rooms. So it's between 1922 and 1942, 20 years, there's probably lots of different people that live there. Uh, so I, I haven't been able to locate anyone that was living there during that period of time or discover who lived there. But uh, in 1942, um, the Hayes family, uh, which was um, Pat and Kathleen Hayes, purchased the Hayes house. And uh, they lived there with uh, a friend of the family um, and also their aunt, which her name was Sunshine. And there was one room for uh, Pat's mother, uh, which is Annie. Um, Hayes, uh, she, her husband passed away uh, when Pat was rather young, so she had remarried. So she came just about every weekend, and um, there were two rooms for two daughters who were, you know, still living. So um, I would say that the majority of the paranormal activity is probably between Kathleen and Pat, uh, with a lesser degree uh with Sunshine, and then uh, a far lesser degree with Annie, Pat's uh, mother. And then uh, there was a Mary, a friend of the family who lived there, some also from her. And from the Buck family, it was mainly Jeff Buck and his uh, son, see if I can get the initials right. <laughs> I always think of JR from that TV program, but it wasn't <laughs> JR. Um, I can't for the life of me remember his initials. I think it was LJ. I'll go with LJ. <laughs> it was something like Lamar. So he, he didn't like either of his first or middle names, so he went by his initials. And then uh, Jeff Buck's youngest daughter, um, uh, Emmeline. So, and I did get the word Emmeline uh, or the name Emmeline uh, at least twice while I was doing paranormal research at the Hayes house. Wow. And I think I got Emmeline, I think I got her name when I was living there after I had, had published a book for that uh, three or four months. And I've actually got her name doing paranormal research in the area when I was at the uh, Chestnut Street Cemetery, and that's open to the public. And um, I guess it might have been either Paranormal Short Session 24 or 25 that I got the the word uh, or the name Emmeline with my Obelisk 5B. So if anyone wants to check those out on my YouTube channel, Paranormal Short Sessions by Keith Evans, and you know, they'll be able to see it. Very interesting. And that's, that's about it. <clears throat> so that's about seven or eight uh, ghosts or spirits. And that's that's the most that I've ever had <clears throat> at one dwelling yeah. of people yeah. who actually cared about it enough to come back and look after it. And I truly believe they, they wanted the Hayes house to stay as much as 
stay the same as it looked like when they were alive. Because I think that gives them a motivation to come back and look after it. But I had to leave the Hayes house because the owner who gave permission to do paranormal sold the Hayes house. So it's really changed a lot. Uh, I was able to go back. It was purchased by the uh, neighboring motel who's made it into like bed breakfast. Okay. So for instance, uh, Kathleen's kitchen is now a, uh, is now a bedroom. And uh, it looked to me like the dining room is now a, a bedroom. Cause it looked to me, if I remember correctly, they, they changed the double doors and put in a single door. So, and the upstairs is totally turned around. The front, um, front second floor front stairway room has just been changed. You can't get to the uh, second floor front porch from the hallway. And it looks like they closed it off and they rerouted the porch as a private porch for one of the bedrooms. So when I went, I really, uh, it made me feel bad that it had been changed so much. Uh, and I think what I was feeling was the way Pat and Kathleen feel about the changes. And uh, I should have known that uh, the new owner would make drastic changes because I had a chance to talk to him and <clears throat> I tried to tell him about, about preserving the house the way it is because uh, you know the fact that the ghosts of spirits love it the way it is and that brings them back to look after and protect the house he just walked away from me didn't say a thing just walked away so I knew that uh, he wasn't gonna try to preserve it the way it was but on the downstairs it's pretty well preserved in certain areas the uh, living room and the uh, TV room are about the same. Um, how, in your opinion, how can paranormal investigations help Victorian homes or other historic sites understand their own history? Because a lot of these sites are very uh, against, as we were talking about, you know, allowing paranormal investigations, but how might they be able to help them understand their history, especially for places that don't have a lot of recorded history to talk about? Well, you more or less have to find out as much as you can about the family that lived there, what type of work they did. Uh, at the Hayes house, I found out that uh, Kathleen Hayes liked to play uh, cards and uh, the card game bridge. You find out a lot about the history once you find out about the people. So, and then, you can use that as like a trigger sentence to when you're doing your paranormal research. A lot of times I find ghost spirits are more apt to respond to you if it's something emotional. I guess once we're electromagnetic energy, our ability to remember might rely more on emotions than anything. Um, I remember at the Hayes house when I asked Pat about uh, the Great Depression and uh, what he thought about it. He just said anger. And uh, 
he owned a lot of property and I think uh, his family was in the turpentine business. So I'm pretty sure that the Great Depression probably put his family out of the turpentine business because I'm sure that they had borrowed a lot of money. And if housing properties go down, the lender is going to want some type of collateral or you got to pay it back, pay the money from the loan back. So you, you learn about things like that. Uh, if anything, it'll give you some clarification on certain directions. Um, I think if anything, it'll show you that you're still going to love whatever you loved before you passed away. Yeah. You're not going to just go into this nothingness. And as a ghost or spirit or a packet of small, small packet of energy, you're going to come back and look after and revisit uh, the places that you cherished, whether it be a home or a park or a baseball stadium or the high school you went to school, you know, at or university you went to school at. You're going to come back to observe and look after and honor whatever you loved when you were alive. So I think if anything, by accepting the paranormal and nurturing it as a positive thing for the guardian angel type ghost of spirit, you're bringing in revenue dollars, uh, you know, families to enjoy your community Um I find most people who are into the paranormal probably spend less time consuming alcohol and more time staying sober and just enjoying the uh, community. And uh, that won't be good for anyone who makes money off of the revenue of alcohol. But at the same time, you know, you're going to have those people in your town also. So you're actually extending the variety of tourists that you will have in your town and uh, you know having locations that are known for positive paranormal will draw in the families of little kids and i was lucky enough to be a little kid who learned about the paranormal through you could say and it's my belief that by the ghosts of spirits who weren't there to frighten me but just there to you know, interest me in, in things that uh, they wanted me to know about. Uh, you know, I, I got to see a train wreck that happened years before I was born and uh, not even know that somehow I was able to do this when I was probably about four years old. So I think it would be positive in many ways to a community. And the more people... If as a child you have a positive paranormal experience in one of these uh, old Victorian homes, as an adult, you're probably going to want to be the next owner of that home yeah. and own a, own a bed and breakfast and make it as enjoyable of an experience for the next generation as it was for your generation. And uh, I think by keeping the older Victorian homes, we're keeping that positive uh, ghost and spirit in our neighborhood. And I think the positive energy from these ghosts and spirits can only bring us 
better things in the future. Well, Keith, that's uh, all I have tonight. Is there anything else you wanted to add that we didn't discuss that you wanted to mention or bring up about your book or the house or anything? Well, my book, The Hayes House Ghosts or Spirits, or Ghosts or People Too, <laughs> it's available any place uh, where books are sold online. Most people get it at Amazon, and uh, most people tell me that it usually retails for about $22.99 because it's 430 pages long, 21 chapters. So it's about the size of three or four books. And uh, at the same time, you usually get two or three dollar discount on Amazon. And I think sometimes Amazon does free shipping. Okay. So there's other places also. If you're in uh, Ireland or Great Britain or Canada, or Australia, then check eBay for my book. That's the people in those countries say eBay. Gosh, what is the other location? I like to say Amazon, but I don't think they have Amazon. The only one I can think of right now is eBay. Oh, oh, the other one which surprised me uh, was, uh, Gosh, I've had it on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, I can't think of it. But just look around if you're in uh, Canada, Ireland, uh, United Kingdom, or Australia, and uh, check uh, all the available uh, book online book vendors. I can't afford to pay for the uh, for it to be in a, a, a block and mortar store anymore. So sure. it's just on online, online location. So please check. And I'm sure you'll find it sooner or later. And also, um, my YouTube channel, uh, Paranormal uh, Short Sessions by Keith Evans is the name of the uh, uh, YouTube channel. It has uh, a lot of my paranormal short sessions on there. And uh, check it out. Some are during the day, uh, some are at night. Most of them are during the day because I get better... Uh, pictures and, and photos that way. At night, sometimes you can't see anything yeah. except the lit screen of the, like the Oblis Fire or the Mel Meter or whatever. But uh, please check that out. And if you like, uh, subscribe and, and leave me uh, some type of comment to let me know you're uh, enjoying my uh, paranormal research. Absolutely. So I will add the link to your book, the Amazon link to your book and the link to your youtube channel into the show notes of this episode so if anybody hears this and is interested all they have to do is scroll down to the show notes and those links will be there and easy for them to get to and i'm also on facebook at uh i think it's keith evans but it might be keith uh middle initial o evans and uh i'm on instagram at petcat2006 that's p-e-t C-A-T-2-0-0-6. Okay, I will add those in there as well. Some people know how to reach out to you if they have questions or would like to further the discussion we had tonight. They can reach you directly on Facebook or Instagram. Sounds good. Okay, Keith. Well, thank you so much again for sitting down with me tonight. Um, and we'll be in touch. I will let you know when this episode drops. Like I said, it'll be somewhere closer to the month of December um, before this one gets out, but uh, All right. holidays and thanks for sitting down.
Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite streaming service. I'm Sydney Miller, and this was Not Afraid.